Hey everyone, welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. Uh, Livestream Stars is the show where we showcase talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across Livestream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by Livestream Universe. Check it out at LivestreamUniverse.com. And we have a, a great month of February of guests scheduled. Um, Rebecca Radice is going to be coming up uh, next week, then Vincenzo Landino, Kim Reynolds from Social Media Examiner, and uh, Mark Babbitt. Um, and then next month, uh, we keep it going. Aaron Kilby, Jay Bear, Brian Fanzo, and Jennifer Hoverstad. And who better to start off this run of great guests than one of my favorite people in social media? He's the host of the very popular Why I Social podcast. I'm a big fan. I'm also an ambassador uh, for the podcast. And I'm so thrilled to welcome Chris Barrows to the show. Chris, th thanks a lot for spending some time with us tonight. And it's great to see you. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. I think, uh, I think I've had a lot of opinions on this topic. And it's nice to kind of actually get out here and be able to speak, I think, to some of that. And uh, in a great platform, you know, that, that you've been running, I have to compliment you. Uh, I don't just jump on the blab. So to get me on here, uh, it takes a little bit of effort. So I, I would not do it for just anybody. That's great. Thank you so much. And and with that, let's let's address the elephant in the room right off the bat. The show is called <laughs> Live Stream Stars. Almost everybody that comes on the show is a regular live streamer, has a has either a, a weekly blab or a daily blab or is on Periscope from the time they get up. <laughs> no, not not all day, but it's <laughs> frequently on, frequently on. Um, the various um, live streaming channels, and you've stuck with the audio as your, your primary um, broadcast platform. However, you fit into the live stream stars uh, genre because you hosted one, really had one of the great events that, that I've seen on Blab in, in the last several months since I, I got involved with live streaming, and that was your 50th show. And you had Vincenzo Landino take the host seat and you answered all sorts of questions about about your show. You talked about things that, that you learned from from your different guests. And then you had a ton of people just dropping in. You could really see the impact that your show has had on people and all the people who came in to, to, to wish you a happy 50th and all that. Not 50 years old, just 50 shows. Um, so. Uh, what do you feel about live stream, uh, live streaming in general, and why did somebody who doesn't live stream a lot choose to have his 50th show on a live stream platform like Blab? Well, let me tackle the last part first and then jump to what you asked first. Because, sure. uh, you know, first, I had it on there because people uh, wanted to ask questions. Uh, people have been asking me for a while. The only reason I did a show where I answered questions about myself for the record was because I was asked enough times. I actually felt really uncomfortable talking about myself. So it, it for me was really important to do it only when it was the right time. And I get asked enough times. So I did it and I did it more as a way to tell the story of the show to hopefully better showcase the people who've been on the show. That was the focus. Uh, so that's the reason I did it. And, and I think for Blab and the reason Blab worked and, and I, again, I, I, it's not like I dislike a, just all these things that are out there, and which is what people have said that, that I dislike live streaming. <laughs> right, right. I've never actually said those words. Uh, but what I think is there's a lot of noise. And I think 
This is no surprise to anyone. But for me, what I saw was I was only going to jump in it when the time was right. And uh, when I see live streaming now, I still do see a lot of it. And that's why I'm not there all the time. I see a lot of people talk about themselves and I'm avoiding those. But when I was going to do it, I was going to do it with purpose. I was going to do to do it in a way that was going to be meaningful. And I knew the community would come in and do it. When you have a platform like this, you've got this ability, and it is marketers, a lot of marketers talking with other marketers. I mean, the reality is right. it has not hit mainstream. But there's not, let's, I focus first, let me say on the positive side of that. Well, that's an awesome way to connect with people. Let's just not say it's something it's not, which is something that the mainstream is jumping into. Uh, and, and that's where I was having issues with. In, in terms of debates with people who were trying to tell me, no, it's mainstream. It's mainstream. Like, no, it's not. Stop telling me it's mainstream. Data says otherwise. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think when it looks at anything that's that's growing at the rate that it's growing is it's still growing against marketers, and it's not the worst thing in the world. But here's my problem: there is a lot of noise on there. There's a lot of people who go on and spout words. And for me, that's why I can't jump into that space. Uh, the reason I actually have an issue more so, I think Blab at least has people conversing and talking to one another. Uh, when I look at Periscope and Meerkat, the most fun I ever actually had on any live streaming platform was when I did something called Meerkat Mad Libs. And I had, uh, I wish I had them down here. I, they're somewhere. But I had the Mad Libs and I did the Mad Libs and it was interactive. You could only do it on Meerkat though because the comments where I could scroll through, but it was interactive. And to me, it was the interactive component that I liked. So I like interactive and I think more people need to do things that are interactive. And in that sense, I mean, completely focus on that. And I'm not saying you can't do tutorials on, on Periscope or live stream, but I don't believe most of them are, are effective. I think most people from who I've talked to, uh, one, that you've got a tools like Linda, that often a lot of works pay for, you've got YouTube. Right. I don't see people going to learn. So if, if you're going to learn social via Periscope, you have to learn Periscope. So I don't see that working, but I've been very <laughs> blunt about this. And I think that's why I, I think that some people are a little sensitive about it. And I, I don't mean to offend anyone by that. And I hope I don't, but some people are very sensitive about that. And I say, and I get that some people are doing some great things on the space and they're like, well, yeah, but I'm doing something here and that's fine. So, but I, I definitely ticked off a few people along the way, but you know what? I was told by a lot of very bright people that if you're doing something right and uh, you know, to speak, speak the truth, speak your mind and be open to debate. And I think the biggest problem, and this is not just live streaming right now, let me just say it. This is a problem in social. People are all right. about criticizing, but they are not willing to be criticized. And I have always accepted, I think I learned a lesson at a job uh, with a boss who was a micromanager. I couldn't take criticism. I learned in the next job that if I take criticism better, I'm going to learn and grow. So my what, what, I, what I ask people to do across social, across live streaming, I don't care what you're doing, take criticism. People are not always going to agree with you. Someone told me something today, um, the line, it was something along the lines of, um, it was on. It was on a, one of the other live streams happening today um, around the disrupt, and and I and I was trying to. I went in to find out what was going on. And again, this is not a knock, but someone said something to me, and then people started to seemingly get offended by things. And I was very confused because I, all I was doing was stating my opinion, which was part of the conversation. Oh, we lost Chris for a second there. Um, 
while he dials back in, I'll just mention that um, we have to remember that social media is media, and this isn't unique. Um, the fact that people who criticize are very sensitive, this is something which is, you know, huge in the mainstream media and the traditional, you know, broadcast and, and print journalism media where, you know, columnists and opinion people can, can really criticize others and then somebody objects to something that they wrote and, and they're, they're often the most sensitive people. So a lot of that is, has moved over into social media and now because social media is... Uh, includes live streaming. It's moved into live streaming. Um, Chris, no, I can't. I can't hear you yet. So um, the uh, the seat is open. You can you can just dial back in. Um, there you are. Okay, right, I'm back. Sorry, I, but I guess what I was trying to say is I think people are sensitive, and I understand it, and that's fine. But learn to take criticism. We're in a space where we're all constantly trying to do new things. Uh, and some of the best people, and this is the reason I have a podcast, some of the best people you don't see on social all the time. And I swear to God, they go on, they go online and people are like, oh, it's so good to see you. Where you been? And I'm like, and I see them, I say, and I almost like want to jump life, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, they've been working because they may not have an agency like some of the, these great people out there mm-hmm. who are doing hard work, but they their jobs might be living on social, other people's aren't. So right, just respect. Right. I think we have to learn to respect each other and the fact that some of us are working nine to fives and that's, you know, social is a supplemental fun thing that we like to do. And but. as I said, when you, you were um, getting back on, this isn't unique to social media. This is true of traditional media too. the columnists who, you know, will kill somebody's performance or this or that. And they get criticized for, you know, one sentence of their article wasn't right or something. And they most sensitive people. So, I mean, this is this has been un- not unique to social media or to live stream, but this no. has been a part of media, whether broadcast, print, um, writers, people, broadcasters, all sorts of, you know, entertainers, whatever, all tend to have very strong opinions and like to really put it out there and then often are very sensitive themselves. And, you know, it's not easy when you're, you know, you're you're in the public eye, whether that's you know, doing a, a blab in, in front of a few people or you're, you know, you're doing something in front of tens of thousands or whatever. Um, but you're right. There's too much there's too much sensitivity within social media to where it, it seems like it has to be everybody cheering for everybody or, oh, my God, you violated some sort of sacred code. <laughs> yeah, I- and, and again, I try to, I, and then I think there's a difference and I don't know how, I, I think that people have very mixed views on this, but uh, there's people who view, there's constructive criticism and then there's being negative and some people don't know what that difference is. Uh, I think, I think there is, I don't think it's a bad thing to try and say, Hey, why did you do this? There was in a, con- I was in a conversation the other day and we were trying and someone used a kind of an auto service that said thank you and said thanks for engaging but the person never engaged it was just a mention with someone else and right. and the question was why do you use this I'm you know I'm wondering it's trying to learn you know it's not insult it's not meant to be insulting some people may say that's not a good idea to do but i i view and i want to constantly learn why people do things it's you know it's it's important you know i Maybe think we can all learn from one another doing that right that you might not be aware of maybe it's something you should do obviously it's not something that that many of us are a fan of but yet there's tons of people who are doing it so well you know i i 
I, I make the mention there's like, for example, KP Kelly. I do not agree with a lot of things KP Kelly does, but I respect KP Kelly in a sense here because he at least comes out and has conversations with people. He's talking to people and he'll defend his way. He'll defend what he does to no end on in terms of the auto, the auto DM conversation I've had with him many times. So I can respect someone like that. Uh, whereas, you know, with someone who's not going to listen at all, I have a harder time respecting that. But, uh, you know, again, I, I don't, I believe in socials here for relationships. That's why I like right. it. That's why to me, I mean, you and I hung out because of social road trip. I mean, I, right. I right. love, I love that, you know? And so I think in the end, there's so much wonderful things that can happen that uh, we need to be able to have a sense of humor, you know, uh, <laughs> right, right. that that's just, that's, and that's how I operate. Not everyone has to, I don't expect the world to agree with me. Uh, it will be boring if we all agreed with each other for what it's worth. Right, right. So what now? Now you you've had your your big event on on Blab. What what is your opinion, um, or what would you say to people who are considering either having a special event on Blab or hosting their podcast on Blab? Do you think that it's it, it's beneficial? Would you recommend it, or you think it's maybe something that that shouldn't be done too often? To be honest. Uh... And this is not a knock against the Blab platform, but the audio quality is still better on Skype. Uh, I use Skype right. and Call Recorder. Uh, I could not, and, and Google Hangout too. Let me just say, Google Hangouts audio stinks as well, uh, and it's not consistent. We saw me drop out for a little bit uh, on mm -hmm. Skype. That doesn't tend to happen most of the time. I can ninety nine percent of my podcasts, I don't have an issue. So uh, you know, for me, that's the challenge. I don't think it's a bad thing for the special event. But don't, you know, if you, especially if you do the special event around that being truly live in the moment, I think we're going towards an interesting direction. Uh, Scott Stratton was on my podcast and he talked about the fact that, uh, and this was really cool to me, talking about the fact that he calls, you know, he starts to look at this as what is a show, you know, and, and it, are these shows. I view Blab more as shows. I mean, uh, my mm -hmm. good friend, uh, Casey Shemansky and I started doing one where it was a uh, once a month. It's called uh, Geek Talk, and it's just talking about geeky things, Star Wars, etc. Uh, right. But that's a show to me. I think a podcast, in the end, and there's a lot of definitions, and I think we can debate words all day. But a podcast, the audio needs to be understandable, crisp, and uh, I think you're going to have a better time with that if you're recording it off the air. And now here's the other thing that that I don't like, and and I'll. This is the big reason I would not record my podcast on Blab. Uh, this conversation's happened many times with a few people. Uh, but I want you to listen to it on audio format because that's what it's designed for. If it was a video podcast, keyword video podcast, that's okay. Right. Then I'm saying let's watch the video. But uh, – but but that's the big thing for me. And, and I see Brad talking here about live uh, versus produced storytelling. And I think that's a good point. A live show is meant to be consumed live to me. That's right. right. It's, it, if you set, put it later on as a podcast to say, okay, this is this was a live show that we did. It, it's That's maybe not as bad, but you have to make it clear that it is um, – you know, it was not produced to be essentially a podcast. Uh, and and, Al, and Alexander's jumping in, and I got to say that I agree with him. Podcasts are more to produce, and they have a timeline. And then that Bleb is raw, 
and interactive in real time. And I love that. I think that's the perfect way to put it. I call it again. Blab can be a show. Okay with show, but to call it a podcast, I just don't agree. I, and and, so and I know podcast shows. I mean, because a podcast are, is a show. I mean, it's it's basically a, an abbreviated radio show, or it could be a long form radio show, depending. But most people keep it, you know, to twenty five minutes to forty five minutes, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that is a yeah. show, right? Uh, yeah, and I well, I guess you know, I should clarify this a little bit better. Uh, I think you had a great point. Uh, what Scott was getting at when I talked to him was these are becoming shows, but what is the format of the show? So the show, this is, there's a video show and there's an audio show. So right. I think blabs are more of a live focus, but if I am recording a blab as a podcast, what reason do you have to go back and listen to it later? Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's a video, maybe you call it a video podcast or a video show and podcasts are becoming audio shows. Uh, you know, I think there's a shift happening here as video becomes more, uh, more accessible. That's the thing. We need to shift the terminology. Perhaps uh, I don't know what the exact words are going to be. Who am I? I? I got a little podcast. I am not the person to tell you what we're going to call these things, but I, podcast. it's a pretty popular podcast and you got a lot of fans. I mean, look, you spend almost no time on Blab. You've got almost 700 people following you. I mean, so it's because of the podcast, right? And the social connections, of course, that you've made on other platforms. But yeah, and maybe that, yeah, no popularity. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain, but I'm not going to complain. But I think when it comes down to it, there is a difference. I think the language is changing. If we're doing, saying anything, the language the, the language is changing, and what we're calling these things in two years may be different. Uh, but I think the audio focus, and this is where I am focused. So keep this in mind. If you've heard me say this before, Ross, I say focus over FOMO. Uh, I don't care about the newest thing. Mevi came out. I saw people rushing to Mevi. Mevi's going to do this. I'm like, no, just stop. You were just gushing about Periscope. What's happening on Periscope? I'm going to stay in the audio world. And I'm staying in the audio world because I believe people are consuming audio at a more reasonable and logical rate. And I think right. that we I don't have to watch the video. You know, I can go I, on the go. I can just listen to audio. So whereas if it's video like this is – I couldn't go back and listen to this nearly as well because I think our facial expressions and my hand motions, my very my Italian side is is, is coming out here. You it tells you something. There's something to that though. Do you know what I mean? So I think right, it's a very right. different world. And yes, but I think Evie is going <laughs> to that question. So here's what um, I'm thinking about: the audio piece is huge because when there is no visual. You, you, you can't even begin to imagine, unless you've looked at it both ways, how important the audio and the production quality and even little extras that you add in or little editing you do to make it flow, whatever, it can, can be critical. And you, are you recording it into like Audacity or are you recording it into an actual like digital recorder that's separate from your, your computer? I have this wonderful blue yeti microphone i don't have anything sponsorship with them just so people know i just really like this microphone uh and uh i have this great mic i use skype and call recorder which takes my audio directly Mm -hmm. and then i edit that file that thought that uh can't speak that file in audacity (laughs) uh and and i'm there but i have yet to understand that editing a podcast i've heard a lot of podcasts uh and 
I, I guess I'm a quality snob. So I have to, there has to be like, I need an intro. I need an outro. I, I need there to be a format that's very clearly thought out, but but so I put that all into it and I spend, I would say between editing and promoting somewhere between four to six hours a week. It's a one man right. job, uh, but it's the most rewarding thing I do. And to be honest, it takes me back to college when I used to do this and study it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was a digital media major, love this stuff. So I enjoyed, I've had actually a few people pitch that they want to edit my podcast for me. And I said, no, I, not interested right, right. and they offered i've got some pretty nice rates offered to me too i just don't have an interest in it wow. uh and but you don't need to spend a ton of money to do a podcast this is what the beautiful thing about it is uh, and much like you don't need a lot to do a, a blab um but i will say i can't do blab all that often because a lot of times they're happening i'm on the go and i have tried from my phone numerous times it has never worked so right, you have to be right. sitting in front of the computer so I guess what you could do with if you recorded on on Blab, you could still take that raw audio because Blab sends you both the video and the audio. You could right. edit out things that wouldn't work for a podcast. You could put a little music bed in the front then in the end, and you could even get creative with like sound effects between segments or whatever you wanted to do to give it more of a radio show podcast effect. But you're saying the sound quality still is not comparable to Skype. Um, and, and that I see as a point. Here's, here's what I'm wondering. Most people um, who would be interested in listening to audio, in, on audio are not the people who are here right now. But it's people for whom this isn't possible to, to tune in now. They're driving home from work right now. They're, you know, they're with their family. They're having dinner. And maybe this is a discussion of interest, I hope. You know, maybe not. I'm not so presumptuous to think that, you know, everybody wants to hear this discussion tomorrow or the day after or whatever. But uh, audio is much easier to consume because you can you can just download it onto your phone. You can listen to it on your headphones while you're having lunch. You can listen to it, you know, I, 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 in your car as you're driving. You can listen to it on the train. Everywhere you go, you can be listening to a downloaded podcast. Here you have to have video. You have to have Wi-Fi. You have to um, th- there's a lot more involvement. And so I guess it comes to, I- I've never gone back and listened to my shows as, on the audio, but I get the audio with every one of them. And maybe I should listen and see how it is and then decide if it's something that I might want to do or, or, or if Skype is the route, if I eventually start doing, doing podcasts at some time. And when you do Skype, do you use video or you don't use video when you're doing the interview? You keep it strictly Keep everybody sort of strictly in the audio mindset. <laughs> I no, I on occasion I do video with the connections good. I find it's better when you just keep it audio because you're not trying to add additional push on everyone's computer. Uh, right, right. Uh, and sometimes it's nice to see people's. Sometimes it's nice to see people's lips moving while you're recording, um, especially if you have co- uh, two people. Like I saw Cody was in here. I had Cody and his uh, lovely wife on, and you know that probably would have been that could have been really useful to do, I think, in that video way. And I don't actually remember if we did it video or not. Cody might actually remember. Um, but it's nice to, yeah, I think we did. Uh, but I think to see both people when they're going to talk, that's very beneficial. But I will say this, just to go to one point that you're talking about, I think the key thing here is edited or produced. To me, a podcast is not just dumping the audio. And I and I won't name anybody, but I have seen podcasts out there that they just took the audio from somewhere else and said, "Okay, this is a podcast." 
you know, right, and, right. and I'm like, no, that's not the same. And if you're Gary Vee, you might be able to get away with that. But, you know, uh, you know, I think that's important. So that's just, I, I don't know. That's just, I, it could be. Again, I, I think there's that potential, but I think the, the audio quality is not there. And I want the first, for me personally, again, this is personal opinion. I want the first look of everything to be, the first listen, I should say, to be on on audio. I, I That's just, that's where my audience is focus. Right, right. And that's part of my mission statement and my mission plan. So um, it's different for everyone else. I am not sitting here trying to say, this is how it is. There's one way, because that's what people in social who are trying, the people in social who bug me the most are the ones who say, my way is the right way, no matter what, there's no other way to do it. And that's just impossible. Uh, but right, right. again, my, so I'm not going to do that by, by any means. Right, right. And, you know, we've covered some of this, but it, I think it's a good way to wrap up this this specific part of the discussion, Alexander Curtis asks, you know, is audio so important and it must sound somewhat professional sounding or the audience will not grow? You, you, you know, you seem to be coming in on the side of it needs to be professional standing for the audience to grow or you more just feel like that's the quality of a product you want to be associated with, regardless of, you know, whether that's necessary yeah. to have an audience. I, I think production value matters. Uh, production value is more than just the conversation. I have an episode with Chris McEwlin. If you don't, if you do not know Chris McEwlin, please go connect with this guy. He's amazing. Uh, he owns a yo-yo company, CLYW. And his episode was borderline for me, audio quality wise. But I was like, I don't know if I have to redo this. There was like a little bit of a clicking. And I did make the decision to go ahead and post it. But there have been episodes I have canceled. And I have said, Mark Babbitt, uh, who I believe you're going to have on, he right, right. first episode I ever recorded with Mark Babbitt, audio quality, something went funky. I don't know what it was. I couldn't post it. And I said to the CEO of U-Turn, I said, Mark, I really need to re-record this. So I am a stickler. I have a rule of what I will and will not post. I think audio is important. And I don't think a, a I don't think a podcast that has crappy audio is going to grow. But I don't also think that it's, putting out a good perception of you. And I think as a host, you have to think about what is your brand? Uh, who am I and what am I trying to produce? Because, right. and I'm not saying in a greedy way, but I think we have to think about the quality of what we produce because we are representing more than ourselves. We're representing the companies we may work for, uh, the agencies we may work for. Uh, and I, I believe in putting our my best foot forward. So for me, that's also part of it. Uh, right. But I do and, think and, audio is super right. important. And Brad Parler, you know, kind of hits the nail on the head. Production value equals perceived value of your content. If it was so bad that you cannot hear, it will not be received. Um, so let's turn to your day job, right? Um, you you work for NYU, your social media strategist. So talk about where where you think higher education is in, in social media um, and also kind of what the challenges and the cool things are about doing social media and, and within higher education. Well, I know that was kind I of said, a mouthful. So let's start with <laughs> uh, <laughs> any part know, of the I, question I, you wish to answer. I think it was a good one. I don't even remember what I just said. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I know where you're going. Uh, no, look, for me, the big reason I like social media as a whole is relationships. It's people. There is no other industry, as far as I am concerned, maybe tourism, maybe tourism has a shot at this too, but where relationships are so important. 
we are building relationships. We have the opportunity in higher ed to build relationships with students and impact their lives and help them pick a school or help them have a great time. And it's actually more this, more help them have the uh, the greatest experience that they can have at our at our school. I don't claim that uh, anyone I work with is the best at what they do. Uh, and I think higher ed as a whole, the challenge in higher ed is higher ed's behind. I've been blunt about this. Uh, I, I think we're doing pretty good at NYU considering all the opportunities we have. And I feel like we've got some really cool things going on, but higher ed can keep getting better. The higher ed industry is behind as far as I'm concerned. Changes need to happen. I'm open to work with someone to make that happen. I think uh, Joel Renner in particular, my good buddy, I'd love to work with him to do it. Uh, and I can tell you right now that I hope in five years when you talk to me, I tell you that you know we've been hard at work doing that. I mean, I get to run a conference with Joel Renner uh, in higher ed. And that's actually the most fun I have. It's not my day job. Wow. My day job pays bills. My day job pays bills. And I love the podcast, honestly, more than my day job. Uh, but my day job's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm not being negative. I just think that the community that I can build outside and the difference that I can make in higher ed is beyond one university. So that's actually what I aim to do personally. I want to change the industry. I don't want to just change one place. But I am proud of what's happened at NYU in the four years that I've now been there. That's awesome. Cheval, how you doing? Hard to see you. Thanks. Looks like you're outside at night. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot my uh my nightstand here. So I was because I was listening to this and really enjoying this conversation. Oh, but, great. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, Chris. Um but I, I'm gonna say, you know, that it was I mean, I had to disagree with some of the stuff you're saying about that, but I understand where you're coming from, you know. But I'm gonna say for for me why why I chose to record here first on that before putting on to uh, Blog Talk Radio because I guess because it's the, the more interaction, like how we're chatting right now, it's like I like I like you know interact with people and I I could see like the conversations going and plus it made it's make me a much better podcaster because. It forced me to get a new microphone for once, <laughs> and and I and it's and it's much better. So that's re so I can say like you know, in my case, Blab is is like has helped me to become a better podcaster. You know, I think what's interesting is, and and again, I told you what I love is the different opinions, and I I love the idea yeah. that we had different perspectives, and I think uh, it depends what the goal is. For my, with my goal, one, I think for a blab or for a show, and this is, again, just my personal my personal opinion, is I would want to be consistent when I delivered it, and there's no way I could do that. And I think you and I have had this kind of conversation before, so it's nothing new for you and I, but uh, I couldn't do a blab consistently one time uh, for the podcast. Uh, I need to set schedule with all these people all these different times, and I better deliver an effective product if I do it behind the scenes and then release it the same day. So like tomorrow at 7 a.m., the podcast goes out. I, I got uh, um, Derek from Southwest Airlines on. And I know that that's when it's going out. So it's easier for me in that way. But I totally understand the perspective of the community side. But for me, when I'm talking to the guest, now this is where I could see an interesting thing. I love the idea of during the podcast, much like Ross does, we're having this conversation during this show. And then we open up the questions. The questions may not appear on the podcast, but the conversation may. 
But then in that case, I won't be looking at the conversation on the side, to be honest, during the podcast, because I want to focus on the quality of that conversation first. But again, it's all that's based on what I want to do and what I'm trying to deliver. What I want to deliver is what you want to deliver. And you're on, uh, uh, you're on obviously a different platform now. But um, no, I, I do appreciate the uh, you know thoughts. I think uh, I think they're all reasonable suggestions. Again, it's just different things for different folks. And uh, I think I was talking with Carlos about the sound quality the other day, and that's the reason like Carlos Gill, for example, I think went on. And I I don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure that's what he told me was the reason he switched off of Blab. So it's it's I think it's all well, different he's perspectives. Social, he's not doing social five forty five on Blab anymore, or he's what just not using it to record his. Yeah, no, like there's a show, but there's something. Don't quote me. I don't want to speak for him. I just right. know we were having a conversation. I can't remember one of his shows. He's recording off of Blab. So uh, I'm not. It's I know it's not. You know, it's not one person. You know, uh, right? I've right. talked to a lot of. Pro- I try to talk to other professionals about it, though. I think that's the biggest thing. Ask questions. You know, like, I love having you here uh, and, and telling me that story because I want to learn from others and what other people are doing. I think we can all improve what, each other's work, and we all have a chance to grow. And let's grow together. You know, it's about community as far as I'm concerned. Right, right. And I think this, is, this format is really as close to talk radio, the Blab format, yeah. as you're, you're kind of going to yeah. get. I mean... Um, yes, yes, there are webcams, but this is essentially like when you see a radio show being simulcast on TV. I mean, that's essentially what Blab is. There's no, yeah. there's no video rolling. There's no, uh, you know, there's there's nothing going on but us talking, which is essentially what's happening um, in, in radio. So I think, you know, it, it's interesting how podcasting is almost its own sort of unique genre. Uh, and this is in some ways more similar to radio in other ways podcasting because of the audio elements that you bring in are, are similar and I, I think they're more closely related than, than maybe a lot of people realize I don't, I don't think that live streaming video in this format is all that different it's just when you don't have the video and you can't be distracted by looking at people's facial expressions and reactions and all that you, you, you realize how important good audio sounds. I mean, I hear music in the background where, where Cheval is. It doesn't yeah. at all hurt this, this show on a video show. In an audio show, it might be very disoriented, but in a video show, it doesn't matter because, and you, you don't need to mute anything, whatever. I, I, Chris, you probably can articulate this from all the shows why that is, but that's the heart of the issue, right? That, that yeah, and the sound quality doesn't have to be as good in video because you can see who's talking, you can see where people are coming from. You know, go ahead. And and I would add that I think what's interesting is I think if you have a talk radio style show, Blab can mm-hmm. work. Uh, if you, as long as you have the audience there to have that conversation. Again, I don't know. I find it harder again to go and click during the middle of the day at work into a Blab even for a replay because again, I just think it doesn't work as effectively. So that's why I think the podcast is more consumable or digestible or snackable. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, but I think again, there's a, there's certainly ways to do it. I, I like the idea again of the way I do it because it works for me, uh, but I would never go say there's only one way to do it. Think about the format of your show. And that's what I focus on. Think about what you do. 
and think about uh, what you're trying to accomplish. And if you've set the goal in the beginning, and this is at the heart of social, it's the heart of everything in reality, I don't care what it is. You can't not have a strategy. There's no such thing, excuse me, there's no such thing as no strategy. Even if you are doing a video, you have a content bucket list of what you want to discuss. Uh, so right. to me, there's always strategy somewhere. There and, and I just I if anyone who anyone tells me they don't have a strategy, I say that's problem number one. So oh. Siobhan, I see you I see your, your podcast at the same time on Blab every 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 time. Do you have a certain set schedule or do you do it when when the guest is available and, and, and move it around? Well, well, now I'm about to uh, record it on a consistent time, starting like on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. You know, well, after the after like starting next week because I want to make it consistent. I mean, that's the reason why. I mean, that's just, you know because I want I want people to know exactly when they can turn into the show, so that they can um, so that they can watch you know the quality of guests that's on there, and I think that's I think that is important you know to have consistency and. And to go back to Chris's point, I have to agree with him with, you know, there are different ways to reach your audience, you know, for the better. There's no one way, you know, for, you know, to to succeed in social media. There's different social media platforms that work for different uh, audiences. And you have and the most important key thing is you have to listen to what your audience is looking for or or what your clients are looking for. So that's the biggest in, that's the most important thing there. You know, yeah, Tamisha makes a great point. Um, she says there's definitely a snackability appeal with podcasting, and you really can't invite a bunch of people to a blab and then end in ten minutes, right? You can you can snack on a pod on, on ten minutes of audio or five minutes of audio. Some people even do like a daily podcast that's like a couple of minutes or whatever. You couldn't ask your friends, okay, come join me in blab. Make sure you're here at seven o'clock live. And I'm going to be done at 7:05, whether you like it or not. So don't be late, right? So that's a, that's a big a big difference um, for those that want to do more micro content with um, audio, or just want people to be able to listen to it. You know, five minutes here, then I pick it back up when I get back into my car, and I listen to another 15 minutes, and 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 so forth. Which you know, again, blab if you want to be part of the live experience it just doesn't really work in in bite-sized content yeah and there's tools that allow you to to i use uh for the podcast i use clamor app so it's c-l-a-m-m-r uh dot com and i use it and create 24 second or less previews of every episode and i love it and it's again that same snackable thing it gets like they usually get 50 to 100 like listens and then they also preview the episode. And then hopefully some of those people go and listen, but it also provides value on the content again. So taking snackable content and making it even more snackable uh, that might provide value. Like my favorite one, the first one I ever did with it once I discovered it was Ted Rubin talking about uh, saying hello in an elevator. And uh, the, it, it was immensely popular. I think it, it you know, people love that clip. So uh, no, I think snackable content's key. And uh, Martin Jones talks about it a lot too. And, and and I and I obviously love that guy too. So, hey Brad, looks like you're, hey. you're still at work. I am. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Good I'm sorry, to see you, I didn't Brad. To interrupt. Hey, good seeing no. you, Chris. I didn't want to stop what you guys were saying. I just wanted to jump in and then try to get a 
um, a question in. Yeah, fire away. Oh, okay, cool. Um, the We talked a lot about the difference between produced content versus live. Um, what is the... Chris and Ross, what do you guys think is the future of the um, the combinations of that and keeping things snackable? And what what are you seeing as the ideal for that platform? You know, Chris. I can say what I can say what I've seen so far is I think, and I don't know if it's as much the combination side of things. More so I see it as the niches are growing stronger, meaning you can have a ton of influence with a podcast as small as mine, even though you may only get two to 3,000 downloads a month, which in podcasting, it's not it's not poor, but by all means, it's not what you hear with a Mark Marin or something like that. And it can be very effective. So I think these niche communities are starting to come together and be really passionate about things. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think on this combination side, I think that you're going to see it improve. I think we're going to see more video come into play, but I think again, it still better serves from my perspective as an extra. It serves as something to supplement. So doing a video conversation with someone who's been a guest uh, on a small piece of information on one topic. Uh, I mean, I'm actually going to be doing a thing called why social sessions. It's not going to be video, but it's going to be 10 minutes or less on a topic. So focused on a topic, but this extra content I think can be video and supplement, or you can do these community type things. So I could do something and then again, go have, Hey, I want to invite, three guests who are on the show, alums in 2015, I want to have them on for a conversation. It's not a full-fledged, it's not going to be, you know, used as in theory, a podcast, but it's now, this is why a social live could be. And again, I'm just saying this stuff on top of my head, but I think that would be a really cool way to kind of do it. And I think that's where they can combine. I mean, think about digital, digital social media is just one tool in a toolbox with, uh, with all these other different tools like web, like print. Uh, and we need to think about, I think, video and audio in that same way. I think right also like Periscope and, and Facebook Live can really be used for very short content to just get a quick message out, to hit a key point on something, to, to you know, highlight, say, a show on Blab coming up or, you know, a podcast or whatever. And too many people, uh, it, it, those formats aren't that social. To me, they're not that social like Blab is social. Social is, Blab is talking to people and interacting and getting to know people. And, and that really happens on Blab. Um, too many people, I think, go on too long on, on, um, on Periscope, trying to get the hearts, trying to answer every single person that, that jumps in. And that would be a great, like, yeah. a great place. Just get your message out there. You know, you can interact a little bit, but keep it short and do it more often than people are doing. And I think that can be a way to sort of one, one, just like with radio, kind of one show builds on the next, builds on the next, builds on the next. And the same themes come up and the same ideas and the audience kind of moves along with you on whatever subject matter you're talking about. Um, but that requires people to really tighten it up because... I know I'm not going to stay around for 50 like, hey, bro, hey, girl, tap it up, tap it up, tap it up, <laughs> you know, take a <laughs> screenshot, tap it up. You know, I'm just not sticking around yeah. for that. I mean, um, Mitch Jackson is somebody who's really, really good on 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 Periscope. 
he'll come in like five things you need to do to be a better communicator. It'll be like one, two, three, four, five. Have a great day, guys. Check out my scope tomorrow on blah, blah, blah. And I think people need people do more of that. I think I would spend more time on Periscope. Um, but it's a it's a little too. I think, Chris, you would agree. That's really where things get, you know, self-indulgent, right? Yes. Yeah. And I guess my biggest issue, and this is, again, it's an issue with the entire space, is people um, get so obsessed with self-promoting, self-promoting, self-promoting. My suggestion to people, I have been, uh, my approach of everything is mostly organic in the sense of, yes, I promote. I, I do put out episodes from the Y social handle, et cetera. I'm not an idiot. I have to do some marketing. But you won't see me on Snapchat talking about my blogs or these other things. You don't, my personal Facebook, I don't do that. I actually have kind of unfollowed a lot of people who do self-promotional stuff on personal accounts. And I, I've actually gone back and questioned, should I have followed some of these people in the first place in these personal places? Because I went there to get to know them. That is my issue. I don't want to see someone doing sponsored stuff in their personal feed. Not interested. And that's where social's going wrong, and we need to fix that. Uh, I, I'm all about, and, and let me put it this way, you know, there's a lot of good things happening. I want people to share their accomplishments. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But here's the here's where we can do better. If we cut out I and me, and it was less than 15% of in our of our tweets, at least, let's say at least less than 15%. Go through, look at our tweets, look at our posts. How often are we saying I and me? And find ways where I can say we, or I am or excited for so-and-so. Share with people's joys. I was talking the other day about uh, my good friend, Casey, who's a guest on the show, Casey Shemansky. She does a wonderful thing, which is this, uh, uh, which is uh, St. Baldrick's Foundation. And it's raising money for childhood cancer and, and research and trying to solve this. And for me, that work is incredible. I'd rather share that than my podcast any day of the week on my personal page. And I did. So, and I shared it on my LinkedIn too, which maybe didn't really have a space, but I was supporting a profession, a colleague who's in my profession. So I, I think it works, but um, I think that's what we need more of. I think we need more people who are willing to say, forget about me for a second. Yes, I'm here, uh, but I want you to learn about someone else. So cut that out and, and, and cut out the I and the me and think about the we. Uh, a lot of people say that, but don't do it. And that's that's what's disheartening to me, especially amongst the top influencers in social media, many of whom I I just I don't see them influencing anything. That that's that's the problem. Influence is something special, I think. And uh, you know, I work with a product that does influence Zoom, and quite frankly, they find actual influencers for my podcast, and I use that to create ambassadors. So I get what influence is. You can't just call yourself an influencer. And just go around and, on, and support any product. I can't jump from this product to this product and say, I'm an influencer. No, earn it. And someone else will call you that. Same thing with an Chris, expert and, in all these other terms. Fred, Fred, you jump in on this. Is, oh, well, he just jumped off. But, <laughs> um, so I guess, oh, he's back. He's back. <laughs> yes. Welcome, Welcome back, to listen. Great to Sorry, see guys. you. Long time no see. <laughs> um, so jump in on this, jump in on this as, as well. Of the people who are quote-unquote influencers, of the people who are high-profile social media people, who is it that you most 
respect. Who is it that you'd say that guy is legit or that woman is right on it and is doing the, the right way, gives great advice, is somebody that I would pay to, to work, pay them if I had to hire somebody either as an influencer or to manage my strategy on social or what, like, who is it that you guys, you guys admire? Tim McDonald. I said this earlier today, Tim McDonald, the man mm-hmm. is who he says he is. You may not see him on social all the time. He went off social for a month at one point for the, for, for a good cause. I mean, Tim McDonald is my ultimate mentor because he taught me to keep two feet on the ground that social media superstardom does not equate to outside success in the long run. You mentioned most people who are well-known on social to people in the industries, they still don't know who they are. So put people first. And, and I, I started talking about this idea of people first. I realized after really thinking about what Tim McDonald has taught me and uh, you know, I will just say this, my first day at NYU, it was our, my first week or two at NYU. I came in and Tim who had seen me on Twitter said, Hey, saw you started NYU, which I had not really done much to tweet out. He just saw it on my profile and he said, Hey, let me take you to lunch. That's social. That is what social is. Social is about relationships, building friendships. Um, and there's a business component to it, but the best businesses are building relationships with their customers. So you can learn from people like Tim McDonald. He is the best of the best as far as I'm concerned. He's an awesome guy. Brad, any, anyone you want to throw, any name you want to throw out there? Yeah, um, I'm going to um, promote a guy who maybe not really on a lot of people's radars, maybe one of the most um, underrated folks on social media. Um, He's doing a lot in Periscope, but his name is Kelly James. And I will uh, link him. It's Kelly James Pro on Twitter. Um, He is someone who I have a deep respect for as far as uh, sales improvement. And um, he was one of the, the guys who helped me really get acclimated to public speaking. Um, and he does a lot of stuff with introverts and um, he is the, uh, just an intro, he calls himself an introvert influencer. And so he's a guy who would definitely be, um, get that guy on your radar. There, cool. Can I, cool. and I got to add, there's a, there's a gentleman and I apologize because his name is slipping my name right now and I'll try and share it with you later, Ross, but there's a gentleman I know and oh my God, it's, I'm so annoyed that I can't think of his name, uh, but he has a podcast and it's about stuttering. And you just made me think of him. And it's so remarkable because it, to me, it's just uh, so cool that he goes out and he, and he does this podcast and he's, he's got a, he's got that stutter and he, and he's trying to reach out to other people who may have that, have a stutter or to help people understand mm. what that's all about and what it's like. And um, I will get a link to you, Ross, because his podcast is remarkable. Uh, and I wow, think the work he great. does yeah, he's just a remarkable individual, and I'm just—I mean, he does little cartoons about. He's just—I'm a really impressive guy, and I'm so annoyed right now, but I can't think of a name. But I will get that to you for sure because he's—he's remarkable individual. So, Chris, awesome. before we before we wrap up, okay, we've we've definitely covered here that that you know live streaming isn't going to cure cancer. It's not going to bring about world no. peace. And for most people, it probably won't make them $10, right? Um, But we also have talked about the value that it has in building connections and in in you can learn, you can can teach, you can can really um, 
become social and get to know people in a way that you couldn't just following them on Twitter. Um, right. Where do you think it's going as as a genre? I mean, do you think that live streaming is going to become the future of social or do you think it's going to remain a niche that marketers and solopreneurs and coaches and people like that use to, you know, establish their thought leadership and, and meet some clients and, and so forth, but not something that the mainstream ever dives into. You know, I don't know if mainstream is going to adopt it in the way that we think. I think in some way it will become mainstream, but not necessarily that they're just, they're using it and wanting to follow everything. I think that you saw a really good example of where it came into play last night with uh, Grease Live. I thought that was cool usage of it. Look at that was, that was behind the scenes. People want this look behind the scenes. I think if we can actually go towards creating experiences with it, I don't mean teaching, here's how you Twitter. This is how you use Instagram. I don't mean that kind of stuff. I mean, let's give you a behind the scenes look. So in higher ed, it's giving a tour of your dorm on Periscope, those sort of things. Right. I think we can have a future with that. Will it be more watched than interacted with? I'm not sure. What I think is going to happen is, well, I don't know if this will happen, but what I hope happens is I hope they insert Facebook Live for specifically for groups things like that. So community can come together. I think the future is these niche groups. Yeah. I think the future is niche groups. I think the fact that, look, I've got an amazing group of, you're part of it, of why social ambassadors, that group, I, I can't express what it means to me because the conversations there, the support is, is remarkable, but that group is powerful. The combined uh, resource that you are for me as friends more than anything in the end, that's what it's become is is special and those groups are happening because of things like slack so i right. think those niche groups are the future i think the broad marketing will still exist but the power for marketing lies in hitting the people in the niche groups and live streaming may play a part there uh but i think uh, it's gonna it's hard to predict where it's going i just think that to adapt it is going to be experience-based and not looking at people's heads. It's nothing to people's so heads. For the group, you're talking about putting a firewall around it, right? That, you know, the conversations that we have um, amongst ourselves, we could then have, uh, you know, live stream conversations, but only only for the people within the group, not, not that we're having publicly so that, we could really engage with each other and discuss issues related to the podcast, related to our social media that we may not, you know, may not be of interest to everybody on Blab um, or we may not want to put out there. Right. Like, I think that's the yeah. that, don't you think that's the next step in the evolution is that these easy to use tools, not complex tools like Google Plus Hangouts, which is very clunky, but these easy yes. to use tools start being able to use. And, and I think that's where the monetization for, for things like Blab are going to come, although they never, you know, they've never said word one about anything like that. Eventually letting letting businesses use these these type of tools and paying to use them for meetings, for interviewing candidates, for all sorts of things where they couldn't do it publicly. Right. I mean, do you see something like that coming along with live streaming? I think if it's not Blab, someone's going to take the simplistic format and go with it. I I still think Google's crazy for not 
just re- for going and making it easier and making it simpler. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Cody just made the point that Ustream has been in existence for how long? I mean, uh, you know, I think the fact here is we have a chance to use video for, this is video for community. As far as I look at Blab, there's a community around Blab. It is not mainstream. I'm not saying it's never going to be mainstream. Do I think it's going to be? Maybe not personally, but I think live streaming uh, right now is a wonderful tool for a community. Imagine if you've got a community of ambassadors, you've got someone like uh, Vincent Orlick, who's got his, his Plexus group, or whomever you're, right. you're speaking about. Imagine embracing them and putting them all in one room with an easy tool. That's where the power is. And those people then go out to their channels, share things, and that's now we got the spread happening. Uh, empower your people in that way. Um, and so we'll see. I think it's, I am interested in what happens once Android users get Facebook live, no offense to iOS users, but we're at like what 48, 47% in reality of Facebook users having it because Android users make up a huge amount when all of them have it, what's going to happen. I'm waiting to see because there's a lot of us and, and I'll tell you the phones on Android actually have very good cameras. So you could get some cool stuff. But I want to see experience stuff because uh, the the post and I, and I will stop after this one. I will just say there's a few people I follow on Periscope. This is the only Periscopes I follow uh, in the past, and I don't follow them anymore. But they were just people from Hawaii, and they were streaming live from Hawaii, and I just saw, and that's all I did. That's all I did. I watched them because I like Hawaii, and I wanted to experience Hawaii again because I miss it. You know. So I did that, and I literally watched a guy watching birds for an hour. I'm no joke. <laughs> no joke. I watched him watch watching. What's the, yeah, that one? Uh, you, you, what's the one you now where people watch people sleep? Oh. <laughs> huh. Yeah, but, uh, uh, I, will see, I think I will see what happens. I do. I I want it on Android, and then I'll see what happens mm-hmm. on. We'll see. I will. I feel like that will be very interesting. Uh, and I would like to see Blab. Look, for all the things I've said, I'd like to see Blab. One, I, I know that they're working on that in the long run, but I would like to see Blab have an Android app. And when I get that Android app for a bit, I know they're working on it. I know, guys, I've heard you before. Uh, I would like to try to see what that experience is like from a phone. I have no idea what it's like, though, because I've never used it from a phone because it's never worked. So right, you right. can imagine. So, yeah, but again, I'm not all negative. Like I, I, I hope this kind of dismisses some of that because I think there's a lot, but I'm critical and I will always be. That's right. Next week we'll get back to our regular programming of people who love live stream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> NYU comes to you and says, we got a great event. Should we live stream the speech on uh, Periscope or, you know, we're going to have a panel. Should we do a blab with them while we have them here? We got four high profile authors who are going to talk about, the writing process or whatever, right? And and they're gonna they're gonna do a panel and whatever. And should we hop on Blab for for a half an hour and have something with them so that alumni can can see it around the world or students who you know have class could you know ends uh, during the panel or whatever could watch from their dorm room or something like like would you say that that's a worthwhile investment or would you say you know, no, no, let's let's keep yeah. our live events live, in-person events, in-person events. And, you know, maybe time will come where we do some virtual events, but let's not mix the two. Like, where, where do you come out on, on, on that? I'm not going to steal Brad's answer, but um, I totally would say Facebook Live. 
uh, just because I think that's where the audience is. Look, you don't have to love Facebook, but people are there. Your audience is there. Right, right. People will go to it. Um, uh, I think Periscope could work depending on – I think it depends on the event, though. Like, I don't want to say this or that. I, I think Facebook Live would be a great option. Uh, I think it you really would, would be open. I, what I'm saying, you would be open to putting events on live streaming. Oh, I mean, yeah. you talked about like somebody showing off their dorm room and all that. But you're, I mean, so you're you're pro live streaming. If you are are saying you're you'd like to see a good event reach more people because you're going to have somebody hold up a camera phone and, and it's going to be on Periscope, you're pro live streaming. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, you may not I would love what he's doing. Comic, but if comic, if there's a purpose to it, like I would love to see Comic Con panels live stream. Right. You're not allowed to, but I'm a. Do you see my shirt? I've got Chewbacca and Han Solo <laughs> and a TARDIS. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. So, right. yeah, I would love to see that stuff live stream. And I'll tell you, running a conference, you know, there's certainly, I hope that some of the things get. I We haven't worked out all the details, but I hope our higher ed conference that I'm running, EDU Web, actually. I'm hoping that we can actually do some of the stuff I'd like to do with live streaming. So live streaming offers value. You just have to have a plan. And that's the thing. You can't go in and say, I'm doing this for the sake of doing it. There's no such thing as, uh, there's no such thing as not having a plan when you're trying to market something. I don't care who you are, what you've done. You can't say that. It it makes no logical sense. And and I think once, as you mentioned, Facebook Live gets on Android and, you know, it's going to open it up to a lot of people who aren't marketers, who aren't using it um, for business purposes. And they're just going to want to, like, live stream their kid's ball game to the grandparents in California or, you know, but they're going to the show groups. a birthday party. And, and that's the family but I think That's gonna, exactly what I'm right, saying. But they're going to need – they may want to have some sort of privacy setting so that they're not necessarily showing that to everybody in the world. They may just want to keep that for their close friends or their friends and family or, or whatever. Um, but I think those people hop on and they start doing stuff like that. They may say, maybe I should go to Periscope and promote my business, or maybe I should get on Blab when they're talking about some issue that relates to what my work is. And so I, I think it can, I think, Periscope Live, I mean, Facebook Live isn't going to be a Periscope or Blab killer. It might actually drive more people to those platforms, which are more in in their own way, like Twitter versus, you know, Twitter's where you kind of talk about what you're working on in your business and things like that. And people on Facebook tend more to, to, to just keep it social, except for those of us, you know, with you as an exception, those of us who are doing something with social media tend to blur the lines on everything. But you know, I think that's I, how the I, general public looks at it. And I know we're, we're at this. I know we're past eight, but I will just say this. I forget who posted this earlier today, so I'm not giving proper credit. But someone posted the fact, maybe it was Greg Weiss. I think it might have been Greg Weiss. I don't know. Um, but they said they want to be able to hit the video button on Twitter and go to Periscope or post a video. And Twitter right, needs right. better. Once Twitter gets better integration, it'll be interesting. Uh, the only thing that I remember actually periscoping and thinking did was even in any way interesting was I periscoped a boat tour of Chicago, which I thought was interesting because how you don't get to go on a boat tour of Chicago all the time. I don't want to see a ha- I, I get the, My stance will always be, I don't want to see talking heads uh, in a periscope or something like that. This is a, okay for him because we've got the chat 
on the side. But again, understanding who our audience is, understanding that we are people who use these tools. We are not the mass market. That's, that's I right, think, right. the bottom line. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, the website is whyisocial.com, the Why I Social podcast. It's, it's one of the best ones out there. Definitely, definitely take a listen. Also, thanks, Cheval and Brad, for joining us and, and bringing your insights and comments um, to the show. Chris, I definitely want to have you back. Uh, I haven't had anybody for a second time yet on this show, but we're definitely maybe uh, late spring, early summer. I want to have you back. Sure. We could go on for like three hours on, on on this stuff. This was an awesome, awesome show. Thanks, everybody who joined in. And we'll be back next week, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, with Rebecca Radice. She's one of the top five media bloggers, according to um, – social media examiner. So looking forward to that. She'll be talking about visual marketing and um, video marketing and, and how she uses Blab as well. So thanks again, Chris, and, and everybody have a great night.